Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. You're listening to Text Message, the UK-focused technology podcast with me, Nate Langson. And me, Ian Morris. And if you're one of our Patreon or new Apple podcast subscribers, this is your extended ad-free version of the show. Thank you to backers including Matt Dawson-Jones, Brian Creevy and Andy Rivett-Karnak who support us directly. And for the price of just a couple of coffees a month, you can join them, get access to our full ad-free show, listen live, chat with us as we record, get our exclusive sister show extra message and a whole bunch more. Find out more at uktechshow.com forward slash subscribe. Ian, I made up a fantastic reason for why you weren't here last week, and I can't remember oh, what it was now. Did you? I haven't actually, I'm going to confess, I haven't actually listened to that show yet. Time's been a bit short for me this week. Uh, do you want to tell me what it was? Or No, that's what I'm saying, I can't remember. It's something oh. to do with being arrested for having an illegal emu farm or something. <laughs> it's, uh, uh, well, it, it, it came up naturally. You can't just have an emu farm. Well, that's apparently not here, no, and uh, <laughs> hence your legal issues uh, last week. Uh, but nothing that we couldn't get over quite quickly, I'm sure. So thanks for rejoining us this week. Um, Wired uh, was amongst the outlets that covered the news that, thanks to Brexit, roaming charges, hooray, are coming back for British travellers to Europe. Wired wrote that in January 2021, the UK's four major mobile phone networks, that's O2, Vodafone 3 and EE, all promised customers they wouldn't be reintroducing roaming charges in Europe post-Brexit. But, as Wired points out, less than six months later, some of them are, uh, but in a variety of different ways which we wanted to cover. EE is the first to announce a change, and it's going to be introducing a flat fee of £2 a day for customers travelling in 47 different European countries. Ireland, however, is exempt, and the roaming fee is only going to be for new and upgrading customers if they sign up for a new contract after July the 7th this year. So there is a little bit of wiggle room if you're thinking about subscribing and you're planning on travelling, then um, if you wanted to join EE, uh, then do that before July 7th, but maybe ask in case something changes. Um, Otherwise, the fee will be levied from, I think, January 2022. Um, but if you do pay that £2 or you can pay an extra £10 a month uh, for the whole month and then you can access the, uh, the plan's full data minutes and text allowance as you can now. Um, the, uh, O23 and Vodafone are doing something slightly differently. They don't seem to be introducing uh, additional fees at the moment, but they are addressing uh, the fair usage cap. So O2 said that it's not reintroducing the roaming cost, but it is instigating a new fair use cap uh, of 25 gigabytes for data across Europe, which I think seems perfectly reasonable for, for the time being, and that's going to be effective from August. Three is uh, reducing its fair use limit from 20 gig down to 12, and that's from July. Uh, and Vodafone said, uh, actually, no, it didn't say in the wide article, actually, it said this to the BBC, that it isn't introducing roaming charges, but it, but it has got a fair use cap still of 25 gig, which is the same as O2. Um, I'm going to include a link to Wide's story in the show notes because it's got a lot of detail on some of the smaller networks like Virgin Mobile, Tesco, Sky and uh, and so forth. Um, 
And I did go back to EE's press release from 2017 to see if I could figure out if there was like a wording change. There was part of me that wondered, did they pull the press release? You know, because they want journalists like me and you going back through and looking at the the hypocrisy. Um, they haven't deleted it. Uh, it is still live in from 2017 when it was uh, announced. And to be fair to EE, there was no mention in here that data caps would, uh, sorry, data costs for roaming would be reintroduced. Um, there's a lot of promo about how oh isn't it great it's going to be no extra cost and blah 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 and a lot of the a lot of this came after the law changed uh, in Europe to say you can't charge for roaming anyway and we we joked around that topic for a little while on the podcast because all the networks came out and said hey we're offering free roaming and we were like mm, yeah you kind of have to but they all put their own slant on why they were offering slightly more than they were told they had to um and there's a there's a quote here from Mark Alera CEO of EE um, said, blah, de, blah, de, blah, uh, our customers want to be able to stay connected whether they're traveling around the UK or abroad. We provide our customers, blah, 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 more than any UK <laughs> operators, blah, 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 blah. But that was back in 2017. But he didn't say, hey, we're killing it and isn't it great that this is all behind us? It was actually kept, whether deliberately or not, uh, quite vague. So unfortunately, I couldn't poke any fun at that. They've not gone back on their word as far as the original announcement uh, uh, goes. But um, obviously, there's been a lot of talk and news articles in the years since then that, um, that that does smack of a little bit of hypocrisy here. And I find it weird because £2 a day, £10 a month, It to me, it it doesn't feel like that's enough money to warrant reintroducing this yeah like just but, suck it that, up that's kind of the point really isn't it it's it's just to make a bit of extra money there's clearly not any problem with getting the data back for free it it's just it's just a it's just a greed thing we have to remember that corporations are not our friends ladies and gentlemen it's uh it's it's just capitalism I have no problem with with companies making money. Obviously. Well, no, I don't either. But I do have a but, problem with them pointlessly introducing charges that you know make life worse for everyone. Like they're already well, let's, making let's, money. Let's let's throw a bone here because the reason for this, obviously, there's 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 Brexit. We're no longer part of that that group uh, in the same way that we that we were, um, and therefore no longer have to abide by the regulations it, that the European government well, put in place. Well, just a quick but pause on companies that Companies can now start charging com- uh, companies for the, 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 the usage of their networks that a non-European nation's uh, citizens use. So That's, it that could might be, be true, that EE is... is just saying, well, we're being charged, so we're passing it along to you. My argument is they probably could have saved a bit of a headache and just said, we'll introduce these usage caps or we're not going to charge our customers for this and just be done with it, but they haven't. But was this ever taken out of the law? Because obviously when we... we Well, because we signed... When we were in the EU, these became law, right? So it was was part of the EU's laws. So it was therefore part of the UK law because it was added to the statute books. Has it been removed? I don't know if, if anyone knows the answer to that because my understanding is you'd have to you'd have to actually change the law 
to to make it possible. But you know, I still I still fundamentally don't agree. I I don't necessarily think that there is any extra cost to them. I don't see why there would be. It would be very, it would be very simple negotiation. Let's just carry on doing what we do already. We'll let people travel around and you know enjoy the benefit of uh, you know the European bloc. As even if we're outside it, we're still Europeans. We're still on that continent. It makes sense to have a pan-European plan like this, even even if. You know, we're not part of the economic union that uh, contains most of it. So, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm firstly unsure about what happened with that law. Um, I, you know, I'm not a lawyer. I don't know. You'd need to ask one. But I'm confused by that, and I'm, and I'm, I'm baffled by the fact that this has happened at all. Like you, it would have been an easy one for them to swallow and to not, you know, pass on to customers and, you know, keep keep some savings because it just it see it smacks of opportunism, really, to me. Well, Nick in our live chat uh, has helpfully pointed out from Ofcom, it says, since the 31st of December 2020, the EU rules on roaming charges no longer apply in the UK. This means that like other destinations, the amount your mobile provider can charge you for using your mobile phones in EU countries, Norway, Iceland or Liechtenstein no longer uh, is no longer capped. And that's that's from Ofcom. Thank you, Nick, for, for pointing that out. Um so yes, the law doesn't a- apply there, but that doesn't get a that doesn't solve the the argument that there's a if even if for PR reasons alone, um, this could have this maybe should have been avoided. But I also think that um, this isn't a one way street, so to speak. There are still say Germans who will want to come to Britain, and that raises the question of roaming there too. So I looked that up specifically. I, I picked Germany because I couldn't go through all the member states of the EU. Um, but I was interested in, in just seeing in general what it looks like European countries are doing as far as roaming in the UK is concerned. And uh, for instance, uh, Deutsche Telekom and Vodafone Germany uh, both explicitly say roaming in the UK is still included as part of its packages uh, in accordance with that European uh, regulation. So it doesn't necessarily look like... Uh, the UK is yet being made an example of, if you like, um, by by European or continental operators. So, you know, I, I don't know. I, I'm sure mm. EE has done its mathematics and and figured this out, but it seems um, I don't know. I, I'm a bit surprised, to be well, honest. Both both for the amount they'll make and the the potential PR hit and the fact that it gives a very good reason to say well you know what i'm at the end of my contract vodafone says it's 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 got a 25 gig usage cap which at the time of recording it seems perfectly fair uh, as has o2 and and three is while reduced is is still uh 12 gig which is probably fine for most holiday makers it probably is realistically you know it's but it's it will I, I think i think we will continue to see we will t- continue to see a, ro- a drop in the amount you're allowed to use and it will and it will get more and more expensive you know no, no company's going to do this overnight are they they're going to be careful about it because they know there'll be a backlash um so yeah. therefore it'll be it'll be a slow drip and it'll just get more and more expensive with time but why you know this, this is the thing right so you know that there are other countries um for example you know like there are other countries that are not in the eu that are you know are included in this it would have been perfectly possible for us to stay in that kind of deal it doesn't it doesn't require that you're necessarily in the eu i you know the two are not related no and it's, it's suggested in chat that um you could get a german sim charlotte says german contracts uh, when she was there were much more expensive than uk ones and um that 
so probably isn't a way around it and um but has included a link as well to um to a techuk.org uh website that explains a bit more about the rome uh rome like home or rome like at home uh ended on the first of january this yeah. year so i'll include the link to that in the show notes as well as as well of course as links to all the stories and press releases and um and everything else we've we've talked about get that at uktechshow.com um if you have a view on this, of course, you can let us know. Send us an email, uktechshow at icloud.com. ISP Review good website ian yeah very wrote that bt and satellite operator OneWeb, which is partly owned by our government here um have reached an agreement that will see the two working together to bring ultra fast low latency broadband speeds to some of the hardest to reach rural parts of the uk uh, where even their five billion pound project gigabit program would struggle to go now on my uh pr- home professional home turf bloomberg uh, also reported this uh, and said the companies have signed a memorandum of understanding to accelerate digital communications for businesses and communities using OneWeb's connectivity services and these are the ones that are from low earth orbit and um and bloomberg also pointed to a statement uh, from the company uh, OneWeb that is on sunday now this this comes after uh, Prime Minister uh, Boris Johnson pledged extra subsidies to bring faster connection speeds to the whole of Britain, uh, with a particular nod, I think, to rural uh, areas as it emerges from coronavirus crisis. And uh, successive pandemic lockdowns have, as we've discussed in the past many times, have really underlined the importance of faster broadband to the emerging digital economy, specifically those areas outside of bigger towns and cities. Now, bit of a reminder about OneWeb, because I know you're interested in this uh, in particular, Ian. And, Very. Uh, in fact, it was Ian that suggested we include this story. I wasn't originally going to. Uh, but uh, OneWeb, it's based in London. It's a rival to Elon Musk's Starlink satellite network. It's launched a, just over 100 of uh, a planned 648 or so uh, satellites. They're about the size of a sort of refrigerator. The company said recently that it was going to start connecting UK customers and other um, sub- northern regions by the end of this year. I pulled up a statement from OneWeb's one website uh, and <laughs> one digital infrastructure minister and in fact one time friend of Ian and I, ex-journalist Matt Warman, uh, in fact, was quoted in their press release as saying, no one should miss out on the benefits of better broadband and mobile coverage. It's great BT and OneWeb are working together to explore new ways to bring faster and more reliable connectivity to the hardest to reach homes. Alongside industry, we have kicked off the biggest broadband build in British history and are spending a record £5.5 billion to end poor or patchy 4G coverage and deliver gigabit speeds in all corners of the UK. Um, interesting instance of me uh, agreeing with what uh, an MP says, possibly because he used to be a technology journalist and does tend to know what he's talking about. So um, give us your views on this, Ian, as it was you that wanted to talk about this. It seems like a smart move to, for, for BT to get into bed with OneWeb to do something like this, but I'm sure you'll have a, a, a 
a well, tremendous uh, criticism lined no, up, ready to go. No, absolutely not. No, I, 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 I obviously I'm I'm unsure about how OneWeb will actually pan out as a data provider because it wasn't designed for that originally, was it? Um, or was it? No, it was, wasn't it? It was. They um, wanted to use it for um, the as a replacement UK for Galileo. GP, yeah, God, idiots. Anyway, um, so yeah, so I mean, th- th- this is the thing. We were bought half the thing. Is it half? We might as well use it, mightn't we? Um, it was about half. It was with yeah. the, uh, it was the Indian party. It was, yeah, it was half a billion quid, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, um, so yeah, yeah, you know, I, th- I, I do think this is a great idea. I th- I've seen what's capable with Starlink. I've I've witnessed the fact that lower latencies than I ever imagined were possible uh, would be achievable with a satellite in, in that kind of low Earth orbit. Um, so it makes absolute, absolute sense for us to use the, 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 the British version or even, to be honest, to just use Starlink if, if necessary. I don't care which one provides the service. I just think the fundamental idea is that, you know, why not make use of this extra satellite-based capacity when it's going to be financially impractical? Not impossible, I want to be very clear. There is nothing impossible about running cables to places. It's just that no one wants to pay to do it. Uh, and, and adding satellites in, you know, fills that gap. It's it's not going to cost BT a huge amount. I imagine they'll um, they'll charge they'll they'll be charged for whatever they use or you know for doing the deal. So it makes perfect sense for them to then leverage that um, and perhaps put a small re- receiving station in a village and then use the existing cabling to connect people up to that so that they don't have to uh, run miles of fiber optic or I guess a, a, a to the domestic pro- property service of their own where they come and bolt a dish to your uh, house and then you, you get access to the full speed. What I Sorry, my thing went beep. Um, I don't know what exactly it is that you know p- that people are going to get from this that they wouldn't get perhaps if they just subscribed to Starlink themselves. My guess would be that it's um it will be cheaper if BT provides it because you wouldn't be you know paying that whole bill yourself because obviously Starlink is something like eighty pounds a month it's extremely expensive um, and you've got the equipment cost which is probably unaffordable so it, it will give people hopefully who live out in the sticks a much cheaper uh, more cost effective way of accessing the internet that doesn't require you know lots of cabling be put down for a relatively small number of houses and why not use the satellites they've proved that they can do it so it's it's good i'm pleased we have well great and we we have talked about one web before as it compares to to starlink and i think at the time we concluded that the 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 expectation we have of price uh, is that it will at least be competitive with uh with existing solutions of similar service but more expensive than um a a service that maybe doesn't have as good performance yeah depending well, they- on where you depending on where you are from what i can tell the investment in um OneWeb actually is continuing so they are planning to have complete coverage of the um the, it's not the northern hemisphere but there is a, a i think it's 30 degrees north so they they are planning to have a uh, complete coverage of 30, higher than 30 degrees north this year and they may have global coverage i think sometime early next year uh, so you know so OneWeb is is looking like it's going to be a a proper global service if if there's enough interest and customers but certainly it will it'll be good to have the uk covered and you know, makes perfect sense, really. So I mean, they want to have they want to have about two thousand satellites, and like well, a thousand do, of they... those are going to be a, a second generation model, as far as I'm aware, which will be a medium Earth orbit. Actually, they they won't be in low Earth orbit. 
Interesting. Be medium, yeah, well, medium, that will affect medium. the latency, won't it? I mean, probably not by a huge amount, I guess, because it's not far. Yeah, it's, it's not. Well, it's not a geostationary orbit, which is a very, very long way. Well, let's talk about that because Nick in the live chat asked what the bandwidth is, and we didn't mention it. But I think the promise is that it will be in excess of 100 megabits per second and latency under 40 milliseconds, um, which means that latency-wise, it's not going to be as good as fixed line. It won't necessarily be as good as 4G if you are using that. So moderate impact on live video calling and gaming, but makes it perfectly possible. And 100 megabits is... um, is is a decent speed particularly when you consider there are parts of britain that are stuck on under five megabits per second for 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 fixed line or 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 existing wireless so it's not terrible um well as far as downstream goes it uh the the bbc says that uh in a presentation uh or a demonstration to the u.s department of defense they were testing data rates of 500 megabits per second uh with a delay uh, or latency of 32 milliseconds. So that's pretty oh. good. So the technology is actually potential to be to be to be better. And if you can do 100 down, there's no reason it can't technically also do 100 up as far as I'm aware. Yeah, and these are depending these on how are, you cut the pie and divide the, it out. Well, exactly, but these are very different satellites to the the old style um data satellites that provided, you know, internet access in rural areas like they were good down but you needed a you needed an earthbound connection to get the data back to the internet then obviously that's changed now that's not the case so um yeah so i don't know what the upstream is i I believe it's quite good though it's it's i think the demonstrations i've seen of starlink are the ratio is similar to how any isp would do it so they don't you're not getting 500 meg up but i've seen demos of 30 or 40 meg up yeah i mean starlink does i've seen it quoted as between 50 meg and 150 meg and between 20 and 40 milliseconds but i have also seen there's a pc mag article um is it pc mag yeah median download speeds from starlink are around 40 megabits per second but they have there is an article from january on funnily enough isp review again that's talk about talking about 10 gigabit per second speed uh using lasers so i mean that's probably a little bit further down there no actually because the laser the late the starlink laser thing is launching already like that's so the satellites communicate with each other using lasers um so if for example if you want if you were in a boat in the middle of the ocean um, then the the data would be relayed to the satellite above you, and then back by laser to a satellite above land, and then it would downlink it to the base station. So that opens up more accessibility. I'm not necessarily sure if it's quicker, um, but again, it, you know, keeping keeping stuff in the air will reduce latency whilst that signal's going around. So it would be easier than sending it down a copper cable, for example. It would it would have lower latency because then mm. just smashing around in space where um the near vacuum means that light can perform well how interesting okay i mean i'm still looking at this uh, isp review article actually from january and um there's a um uh the company is hint i'm quoting the website here on on top of that the company is hinted of speeds up to 10 gigabits per second maybe possible for individual users in the future that's pretty incredible yeah, I don't know how far phenomenal. in the future. I know well, they're, they're, they've got thousands more satellites they need launching over the next five years or so. But well, that's it. I mean, still... I, I guess I guess it depends how how many satellites you put in space. I mean, you know, presumably each satellite could have a number of 
antenna on it and you know there's all sorts of things i expect that could improve bandwidth um it you know i think elon musk has sort of said that starlink won't won't be great in cities i imagine that's because of a density problem because obviously there's that it's not like uh you know there is a, a beam that comes out of each satellite and presumably you can only have one beam in, or maybe a couple of beams in one place at a time. So there is a population cap, but I don't know whether or not that's actually true of the final, you know, in 20 years time, whether or not that service will be able to deliver gigabit speeds to literally everyone on earth. Be fantastic. I mean, I think I, I sort of feel like um, to complain that it would be unavailable in the cities would be uh, pretty crappy for the people well, yeah. out in the country who you know, for whom this is primarily targeted. Well, do bear in mind as well that, that it, whilst it is true that the countryside is obviously the, the most disadvantaged in terms of bandwidth, it can be true that you can suffer just as many problems in the city. Like, do you remember Earlsfield, Nate? How could I forget? Yeah, I where, mean, it was one megabit per second. You know, so, it, it, and that was and that was Wandsworth. It's not. It's not far from London. It is it basically is London. It's a, you know, and it, and the and the bandwidth there was terrible. You just couldn't get ADSL any quicker than a megabit. Uh, although well, there, I believe when, there when was when were we living there though? Two thousand seven. Yes, but it was it was uncommon for the time. It was quite common yeah. at the time to have eight megabits per second. Every you know, and um, we were stuck on one. Yeah, God, how did we live, mate? How did we live? I well, actually I do don't know. We... Nay. I don't no, know. I, well, I do remember because we we had a LAN. And if you remember, you had an Xbox and your PC land directly downstairs when your Xbox 360 uh, wasn't exploding. Yes, course. it was and exploded I, a bit. I, I had one upstairs uh, connected by LAN, and we, we could play that way. So that's just how we yes. did it back then. Okay. Um, well, any views, of course, welcome. Insights, UK Tech Show at iCloud.com. Hopefully this will launch in some form by the end of the year, and we'll get to try it out and give you a more rounded opinion at that time. Shall we do a little email here yes, um, be- before we, we wrap up? Um, this comes in from Andy H, not to be confused with Andy Hoyle, my brother, who is on the show Too many sometimes. Andy H's listen to this show. Well, Andy H is one of our patrons. I know, um, and I wouldn't want to lose any of them. He says, Hi, chaps. Was listening with interest about the email ban that you trialled as mentioned on Extra Message. This was, this was going back a few weeks. Um, I'm not sure it would make me more productive. And I should just clarify, this was on an episode of Extra Message uh, a few weeks ago where I said we had this little experiment on my team at work where we uh, essentially banned email for a week to see if we could be more productive by just picking up the phone or something. Anyway, uh, Andy continues, I'm not sure that would make me more productive. In fact, it would probably damage how much work I get done. The beauty of email is that few people expect an immediate response, very different from an instant message or phone call. I can stack and prioritize the emails that I'm sent and deal with them at certain times of the day. I can take an hour to concentrate on a specific task and then return to my email afterwards to work through. If instead people were calling me or or pinging instant messages at me, I'd never get my hour of focus to complete the task. Not sure how typical I am, but I make use of various flags and categories available in Outlook to help me work out what needs to be done today, tomorrow, or what I can safely ignore for now. Keep up the good work, Andy. Thanks yes. very much, Andy. Yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree. The and how did your trial go? Uh, really well. But yeah, do, really well. But Surprisingly do you feel well. that people will be suffering from not having written records of their emails and you know, or their communications? I mean, I use that quite substantially for reminders, so I would struggle with that. Um, all I can say is that so far we've only noticed positive things 
a slightly greater reliance on using instant messaging, which again is itself logged. You can still go back and search through it. Um, uh, slightly more phone calls, but ultimately still a lot of email. But it's at least email that it makes you think twice about whether you need to actually send it or reply to all every single time. Um, so it's it was an interesting experiment. Would advise. And if you want to hear that extra message, because we've done, goodness, how many extra extra my have we done now? Extra mess I. Dozens, dozens. But they're all available if you become a patron at patreon.com forward slash UK tech. Or if you just want to get our extended version of the show, has no ads, it's longer. And this week we went in depth talking about the WD My Book disaster where people's network attached hard drives uh had all their contents erased um we talked at depth about that and backup policy so um, you can get that on apple podcasts now of course or by becoming a patron and thank you to anyone who is doing either of those things someone who is um well it's tom Merritt, and he's been covering (laughs) tech all week and this is what's been happening this week in the wider world of tech Really lost This week on there, Daily Tech News Show, it was Accessibility Week. Shelley Brisbane told us how machine learning is helping improve accessibility and when it isn't. David Woodbridge talked to us about how to test products to see if they're really as accessible as they say they are. Andrew and Jen from Bungie talked about the increasing attention paid to accessibility in game design. Andrea Stefik told us about a programming language called Quorum that was designed from the beginning for visual accessibility. And Christoph Zajak Denek explained the accessibility challenges for people like him with dwarfism all that and windows 11 too at dailytechnewsshow.com that is to say windows 11 as well well yes um we we didn't even touch on windows 11 did we i mean wow that's got some real issues that thing it has but um i i would recommend if only listening to one episode um listening to the the last one tom mentioned on dtns daily tech news show gaming uh, with dwarfism um frankly it is not a topic i've ever thought about Every single word uh, is new to me. So do check that out. Uh, that's dailytechnewsshow.com. Thank you, Tom. In fact, I'll be on DTNS on Tuesday, I think. Fabulous. I think. Yes. Anyway, thank you, Tom. Thanks, everybody, for listening live and supporting us however you do. And we will see you in one week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.